He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and bene combo, and more. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. It's a game day. We go. We were so spoiled with games all of November, night in and night out. We went like three days without a game. It feels like I'm quenched. I'm starving for hockey. Three, well, uh, was it three games of the game? Well, Saturday, no game Sunday, no game Monday, no there game Tuesday. There was a Tuesday. game Monday. Like oh, Detroit. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> um, I felt like it was this talked, Saturday. We talked about the, the Coke Zero jerseys. You hated them. I liked them. I don't know why I felt that was longer ago. Maybe we've just, like I said, been spoiled by too much hockey. It feels like this is the Mondayest Wednesday of all time. Yeah, like I'm just For confused. For the Tuesdayest Wednesday. I feel just confused. I woke yeah. up, it was dark. I didn't want to get up at dark, all. Dark, rainy. It was, it was just confusing. Anyways, Leafs at home tonight versus the Sharks. Um, Samson off will get the start tonight, which is a pleasant surprise to, to most involved this morning. He yeah. participated in a full practice yesterday and, and apparently was feeling pretty good about it. Nobody was really sure what would happen in the today. Sheldon Keefe out he's going to get the start. We're going to have Kevin Woodley on in the next couple minutes to chat a little goaltending, but I don't even so far so good for the Leafs. It's hard to be critical of any. I'm really curious to see how Samsonov bounces back tonight. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be uh, what's going to be interesting too is is the way that this team was playing when he got hurt was fairly loosey-goosey defensively. Right. Like, he had the start... Actually, did Shogun play that game come back against Philly? Shogun might have played that game against uh, against Philly. Either way, coming off of that road trip, right? Yeah. There was only that Philly game, and then they played Boston. And he got injured there. So this team has really played so much better hockey, much more connected, much more defensively uh, since his injury. So he's coming back to a team that's really a well-oiled machine right now. Right. So he's going to get some really good play in front of him, and I wonder if that would even uh, allow him to be better than he was in, in, in October. seems like he was just dying to get back in there, too. Yeah. You knew how disappointed he was when he got injured. He was... he. Well, this is a prove-it year for him, yeah, right? Yeah, like and he wanted contract. that. We heard that he had the option to sign longer deals elsewhere, but he really felt strongly about the fact that he could prove his his worth in Toronto after being discarded by Washington. Yeah, and he wants to be able to sign a long-term deal at a value that he believes he's worth, and that wasn't there last year, like the, the big number, the big ticket, but after, so he decides to roll the dice on this season, start off playing really well, and then got hurt in the Boston game, and he comes back tonight. It's the, the thing about who they're playing, like the, the San Jose Sharks, they're an interesting team. Interesting is an excellent word, because they probably overperformed thus far this season. I don't, like, have they overperformed? I don't That's know. Why I, think I have no idea. I thought they were bad, bad. And I, I was listening like to... they're, 20, what, like, 6th or 27th in the league? Like, they're not even... <laughs> Good. Yeah, they're 26th in the NHL. They're 8, 13, and 4. I feel like Eric Carlson, his story is kind of masking the struggles that the San Jose Sharks are actually having. You're so right. And, you know, when did Reimer go down? Because Reimer was pretty good to start the year. Yeah, we had him on the show, and he, he his numbers looked really good. So he's been out. So Aaron Dell's going to start tonight. 
because Capo uh, Capo Kakinen started last night. Got yeah. a shutout. That's the thing too. San Jose's coming in on the second night back of a back to back. So if you're Toronto, I think you gotta go out there. You've been rested, right? You came back from your road trip. And sometimes it's a little bit difficult that, you know, c- coming back home, your first game after being on the road for a little bit. But I think it'll be important for Toronto to get off to a good start and put pressure on, on the team who's coming in on, on the second night of a back-to-back, try and pressure the goaltender in Aaron Dell. And maybe that's like the kind of recipe for success. Get that early one for Mitch. Get that yeah. out of the way. And, he's uh, been doing that, too, getting it out of the way really He has early. been. He has been, whether it's with an assist, a goal. He's been doing a, a really good job getting it out of the way and just playing his game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, with that, let's bring in our, our next guest, Kevin Woodley of Ingoal Magazine. Kevin, how's it going? Well, I mean, I'm in Vancouver, and there's two things that people in Vancouver don't do really well. <laughs> One is, you know, uh, manage their emotions around the hockey team, particularly on social media when things are up and down. Didn't even make it home after the game last night. It was literally six hours for a 45-minute drive, so I just... Uh, I, uh, I bunked up on the couch at my daughter who goes to university's place. And, yeah, so that's like <laughs> oh my gosh. when it snows. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Uh, it's okay. embarrassing for my city. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to make you feel better Bad. because right now it's pouring rain in Toronto. And I feel like Vancouver would handle the rain a lot better the way that Toronto might handle the snow a little bit better because this city, it, like, it, it's rain. It, it's not even snow. It's not staying on the road. But the city's a gong show right now. We, we can't handle it. So at, at least it's a fair trade-off between our, our shortcomings. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like this is like some type of bizarro world thing. But uh, we, we can handle the rain, but much like the hockey team, we just complain about it a lot. Well, why don't we start there? We'll get into the Leafs and we'll get into Samsonov and Murray and all that. But why don't we start with the hockey team uh, of the city that you're in, in the Vancouver Canucks? Because coming into the year, I had big expectations for Thatcher Demko. It's a guy who was arguably, you know, Vesna caliber goaltender a season ago. That has yeah. not been the case this season. I mean, how worrisome is the situation there with Thatcher Demko? The fact that he's kind of, you know, played himself out of the starting gig and somewhat in a timeshare with Spencer Martin. Yeah, and hey, listen, part of that is Spencer Martin's been really good. And I know the raw numbers don't show it. Um, but, and actually, you know, I'll draw parallels to what's going on with the New York Rangers and Igor Shesterkin right mm-hmm. now. When you lean that heavily on goaltending, when you essentially require Vezina caliber goaltending to have a chance to win on most nights, that's not a good thing. Like, it's not sustainable, even if you have Vezina caliber goaltenders. Um, we're seeing it with Shesterkin, like, eventually it just becomes a bit too much. And so um, that's not excusing the performance of Thatcher Demko. It's been below the standards that he himself would tell you he set. Uh, last year he played so far above what was expected based on the defensive environment. That environment is, again, terrible, but he's actually playing below it. Like there, you know, I think he, last time I checked, he had the seventh or eighth toughest defensive environment in the National Hockey League. So the lowest expected save percentage. In other words, it ain't easy being a goalie in Vancouver. <laughs> but there were of the guys behind him, half of them were outperforming it, and he's not. So, um, you know, a little bit of it has just been the types of plays that he's seeing and how hard it is to trust the play in front of him. Uh, when that backdoor seam pass gets through nine straight times, you're going to start to lean on the 10th, and as soon as you start to lean in this league, you're Uh, did we lose him there? Is that us? Is it him? I can't tell. I can't tell. You know, it's like one of those breakup moments. Is it you or is it me? Like, I, I don't know which one it was. Well, he said he's, he's, he's 
kind of driving through the elements out in Vancouver, so maybe reception's not uh, not too great. Let us know if we can get it back on. Um, but yeah, so we're chatting with Kevin Woodley uh, from Ingle Magazine, and he's just we're going to go around the horn and talk about the goal. There's so much going on goaltending-wise. Pierre Lebrun had a hilarious, because he wrote a big piece on goaltending. <laughs> yeah, everybody. The broadcasting jinx apparently is extremely strong with Pierre Lebrun because he did a huge, I just spelled Pierre wrong, which is very embarrassing for my French immersion <laughs> qualifications, but he, he, he wrote this great piece on goaltending around the league, like, what was it, a week and a half ago? And no, it was so, yesterday. I'm pretty sure it came out yesterday. No, really? Monday, I think. Yeah. Okay, why do I feel like I read... Oh, yeah, it was the 28th. It was two days ago. Well, since then, like pretty much everything in the article has changed, yeah. which is just like when we have a show and, and then practice lines come out or something, and we're like, oh, we should just burn the tape. Just burn it, because yeah. it's all different now. Well, Pierre. The, the, the scary part is that he wrote about Murray and Samsonov, and now they play tonight. We'll see if that uh, if the jinx continues yeah. there. Uh, I think we got Kevin back on the line. Kevin, you there? I am, and you missed my best stuff. I'm not sure I can repeat it, but it was pure gold. Uh, We're going to blame that one on TELUS. We believe uh, you. We believe you. Uh, uh, here at Bell Media, we can blame them, so it's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, we just brought up Murray and Samsonov. Samsonov will get between the pipes. Uh, again tonight versus the San Jose Sharks. Back from injury, finally. It's the first time since the first game of the season that the Leafs will finally get a look at the tandem that they were hoping to have this off season. It's kind of interesting, Kevin, because both of these goalies have kind of had a chance to roll as number one uncontested, and now they're actually going to have that competition that Kyle Dubas was hoping for when he signed them both. How do you think that shakes out from here? Uh, you know, I mean, whether I look at the underlying numbers or my expectations going into the season, um, which, you know, I mean, they were... The caveat was always injuries, especially with Matt Murray. Yeah. Uh, they kind of look the same to me. Like, Matt's got the higher – like, I think as much as Samsonov has the pedigree, over the past couple of years when healthy, Matt's outperformed him uh, significantly. And so as much as I see um, Samsonov making some adjustments in his game, in particular uh, post-play, and that may seem like a small thing, but how you move in and out of your post and the efficiency and your ability – to sort of navigate those plays is so important in today's NHL. Like in the last five years, um, the way offense is generated from below the goal line, out of the corners, low slot line plays across the ice, like you have to be able to manage those movements. And he's making some some changes there that look like they're going to pay off even more with time. Like they look okay now, but they'll only get better. So, you know, like I see it, if I'm picking a 1A and a 1B in this one, I still think Matt Murray's the 1A. I think having a 1B you can trust means you don't have to overplay him. And that's, you know, that's something you have to avoid in this situation just because of the injury history, because of what you're seeing going on around the league. You know, not just with, you know, it's easy to pick on Matt Murray, but there's goalies hurt all over the place. So, um, you know, tandem's a perfect situation for them. If you can get them both going and feeding off each other, uh, if you can create, you know, I think your ideal tandem right now is obviously in Boston behind a great team, but um, what Allmark and Swayman do in terms of that relationship um, and the way the team feeds off it, like that's that's your ideal. Um, the idea of a pure workhorse number one, you know, there's only a handful of them in the league, and I just don't think I don't care how good Matt Murray plays um, and how tempting, even if Samsonov stubs his toe, and it's tempting to play Matt all the time. You just can't go down that road, just given what's happened to him health-wise over the past number of years. Well, I was kind of curious about this, just because, as we noted, they they really both haven't had this tandem, I guess, to start the season. They've both been able to get into a groove playing consecutive games. 
do you anticipate maybe like is there any concerns about now if they do get into a true tandem maybe they won't be able to get into that groove that they've been able to build themselves into or do you think that they'll be just perfectly fine um playing you know every other or every couple of games here no i don't think you i mean all goalies rely on rhythm to varying degrees Mm -hmm. right and you, you establish rhythm and timing um, by playing games, you just—it's tough to imitate it in 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 practice. So that's that's how you get that feel. But you know, when I look at how goalies play, like there are sort of tells in terms of how how much a goalie relies on rhythm and timing. And to me, the more you have a solid technical foundation, the less reliant on it you are. And both of these goalies, to me, you know, on that sliding scale between technique and feel or timing or rhythm, like I think both of these guys on that scale tip towards technique. And so um, you can maintain that in practice. And, you know, it's all about sort of putting yourselves consistently in spots where you give yourself the best chance. And then when you feel good about your game and you're reading the game well and and the timing's on, you know, that's where you can take a little more ice here, take a little less there. You know, I don't want to say cheat, but your anticipation goes up and maybe you're able to, you know, again, you're not leaning off a post early, but maybe you're loading that push leg early because you know what's happening in front of you. And those are the types of rhythm and timing things that come with playing a lot. And so, like, for example, a goalie like Jack Campbell, who's very much on the opposite side of that spectrum, you know, this is the challenge in Edmonton right now. He probably needs to play to find his way out of it, but how do you keep playing him? Yeah. So, uh, to me, the two goalies in, in Toronto are, are not on that. They're not on the same scale. They don't play the same way. And so, unless you're talking about weeks at a time without a game, I don't see it as being a problem. If, if every guy's getting into a game once, once a week or once every 10 days, they should absolutely, at this point in their careers and the way they play, be able to deliver at least that can, you know, to put it in fantasy football terms, their floor should still be pretty high. Their ceiling might take more games played to get to, but that floor should stay high even if you're not playing regularly. That's Kevin Woodley, and while we're talking about technique and, and pushing off the post, I, I suppose it's time Uh-oh. to, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's net gate. It's cheating gate. I don't know what what the term is going to be, but let's give you the oh, chance don't use to... Oh, cheating. No, no, no. It's gate. It's like a, it's a conspiracy theory. I'm going to give you the chance to defend goalies honor, because I, I think it's it's kind of whack, too, and especially when we see it happening all over the league. <laughs> These guys can't all be at fault. Um, I don't know. Just, just give us your perspective of where you're at. It happened to Spencer Knight the other night, too, but Matt Murray was... Uh, he's in the center of the hockey universe, so he had this spotlight on him, but also it happened three times in a game. So where are you at with all the posts coming off and the turkey basters and, and all that's going on in the world of, of Nets? Well, I mean, let's just take a moment to reflect on the absurdity of a $5 billion league using turkey basters. Turkey basters! <laughs> okay. Turkey insane. basters! Insane. Yeah, there, are, there are teams that have shot backs. I would suggest that needs at the very at the very start of this conversation to become sort of a minimum standard in the league, right? Yeah. Like so, there's two there's two parts to this. Um, the net shouldn't come off. It just should not come off with the movements that we saw these goaltenders using in those games. Okay, um, the Spencer Knight one in particular. And there are a lot of people in the mainstream media telling on themselves when they suggested at all that that was on purpose. Like, I understand that I watch goalies more closely. 
but surely to God, you've seen a goalie drop into a reverse on the post and push off of it. Literally 20 or 30 times a game yeah. without that post coming off. So when he performs the same move with just a little bit more explosion and then that comes off, something was wrong with the way that post was put in. Yeah. And here's the great irony of the Spencer Knight one. Iron is, a, is irony warned, in itself. Well, there you go. As <laughs> he's being warned by one official, I kid you not, as he's having that conversation, and I'm assuming being warned, I'm going to talk to him later today, they're back-to-back, so I didn't bug him yesterday. But if you watch the TV replay, as he's being warned, the other official comes in and does not put the net back on properly. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh. holy crap, we need a standard, okay? Like, And then, on the McDavid breakaway goal, as he sprawls across to try and save it and doesn't, the heel of his skate catches the post, and the post rocks up a couple of inches. Now, it settles back on its moorings, and social media is losing, and he tried to kick it off on a breakaway. No, no, he didn't. It's absurd that in a moment where people say it must have been him, the officials literally don't put the net back. In the exact moment he's being warned not to knock it off, they put it back on so poorly that it's just going to come off again. There has to be an education, and if the referees aren't going to do it properly, the rink staff has to know we have to have shot backs at a minimum. I think we need to anchor them at the bottom. The flexible net pegs are enough that they will come off with player contact. The problem is there's ice and water getting in the hole. They're floating, and then they come off too easily. So, Mm. listen, you can call penalties on goalies for knocking it off, but first you better meet a consistent standard. And I don't want to tell – I'm not going to use the name here, and I'm not going to use the rink because he hasn't given me permission to. We just had this conversation casually the other day. But I know a goalie this year who went into a game – and at the start of the third period, in a one-goal game, he could tell as he did his crease movement patterns that the net was not pro- that the moorings were not fully sunk. He's like, this thing is loose; it's going to come off. I don't want to take the penalty. He alerted the the rink attendant with a tap on the glass before the period start, and the guy screamed at him that it was his fault. Wow! We need to have a better standard now, Matt Murray. There are some things about the way we talked about Samsonov changing the way he's going into his post. Matt is changing the way he's going into his post. He is not nailing it on a consistent basis. And so ideally what you want and what he's being taught by Curtis Sanford is to try and get the bottom edge of the pad where it connects to the skate. We call it the toe box. You want that part of the pad to land on the outside, like around the post with your skate inside it. And what you're seeing happening, and you saw it happen in a couple instances there, is he's hitting that spot, and then he's slipping off of it, and he's ending up with the shin of his pad. We call it shin on post. Inside, his shin in, on the post, sorry, and his skate and more of his body inside the post. And that's causing him to push then off the post with his arm rather than with his skate because he's lost that connection. Now, there's an equipment change that I hope he considers. I know it's been suggested. He uses bungee, an elastic toe tie to connect his skate to his pad, and it's giving him very little margin for error. Most goalies in the National Hockey League go away from it and use, they tie knots or they tie a gap in, a, in, in skate lace between the bottom of their skate and their pad, and that provides, like, like Thatcher Demko has a, a formula that is tied to the diameter of the post for exactly how long he wants that gap, 
because it gives him margin for error sliding into the post, and it ensures that when he hits his spot, he's more likely to stay there. So these are things that Matt has to adjust. And if he's not going to adjust and he's going to keep missing and he's going to keep sliding inside his post and into a shin on post technique, he either needs to learn how to push off with the shin of his pad, like Tuka Rask was the best in the league at doing it, so that he's not pushing with his arm, or he's going to have to accept that whether I agree with it or not, um, if those pegs come off, um, he's probably looking at a penalty. So there is a technical element with him, something he's trying to change in his game that's not dialed in yet, and he's going to have to get it dialed or risk a penalty because he's like he, the witch hunt is on. He's in that space. And here's the last thing I'll say. I think goalies would accept a penalty for pushing it off if the standard in the way of the way in which it is anchored is consistent from rink to rink and stays consistent throughout a period. It's the inability of either the league. The, the, the technology is 31 years old. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, get a rink, get, get shop backs in there, make sure there's not water in there, or find a way to anchor it at the bottom that's still safe for the players, and develop a standard that's consistent every night, and goalies will accept that if they use too much force and it comes off and it really is their fault, then it really is their fault. At this point, with the inconsistencies from rink to rink, giving a penalty for this, they're not pushing it off on purpose. Especially that first one on Matt Murray or Spencer Knight, you get injured. You're counting on that post to hold your weight and allow you to push against it. There was a goalie in the Edmonton playoff bubble. The NHL did not secure the practice rink with proper pegs, and I know of a number one goalie that did not finish the playoffs but he, because he sustained a lower body injury, pushing off a net that wasn't properly secured. You're count, you're, that's why the absurdity of the argument that it's on purpose. Like A, you get hurt. B, like the one on Matt Murray on the back door – like, he's in a desperation position. He's trying to use the net to get across. When it gives, that means he doesn't move. The net moves instead of him. And we've seen in the NHL this year, if you put a, if Addison puts that into the empty net, even if it's off its moorings, we've already seen those goals called in the NHL. If it yeah. goes in where the net was, it's going to count. So he's not gaining anything, and that's why this argument is absurd. But if you're going to start calling the penalties, you have to come up with a standard to secure the net and – I'll give you the last one. I was trying to think of the equivalent that would make people realize how absurd this is. <laughs> the equivalent without that standard, the equivalent would be to call a penalty on a player because his stick broke while he was shooting. Right. That's yeah. the equivalent. That's how absurd it is unless you can anchor these nets. And honestly, there are too many people who have been in hockey for too long that as soon as they see it, say it's on purpose. And it's, you know, much like the way Vancouver handles snow driving, it's freaking embarrassing. <laughs> That's Kevin Woodley of In Goal Magazine. So well said, Kevin. Defending the honor of goalies everywhere. Goalies deserve rights, too. They didn't do it on purpose. I just want to touch on something that you said there. We had Mike McKenna on last year. Uh, or maybe it was right after the Matt Murray acquisition when everyone was kind of feeling weird about it and not sure what to think. He, he was commenting on the fact that Matt Murray... Um, was a really good goal. He used the word desperation. He's excellent in desperation, but he had some technical things he, he needed to dial in uh, after the stints in, in Pittsburgh and Ottawa if he was going to be successful with the Leafs. Do you, think, do you think part of what's going on with him pushing off the net is just him figuring out those, those technicalities that, that are new to him? Well, I mean, I could talk about the post play, like the way Curtis Sanford teaches it. I know because Curtis Sanford is here with Ian Clark, and so the way they teach it is the same. Um, you know, he's coming in a little steep to his post rather than sort of cutting 
into a flatter angle as he gets there, which which is also decreasing his margin for error. And like I said, the equipment issue on the toe tie doesn't help. Um, so that is that is part of it. Um, listen, I, I think there's been adjustments in Matt's game. This is why I actually liked the signing with the caveat that the injuries were a risk. I really liked this signing because when he was healthy the last two years in Ottawa, I saw him making changes. He initiated the changes in his technical game himself during that first gap uh, because of the pandemic. Um, when he was still in Pittsburgh, he sought out an off-ice trainer to sort of help him change the body mechanics of how he moves. Uh, he's never going to be a guy who plays like in a super narrow stance. He's not going to be Thatcher Demko making shuffles all over the ice. But he has narrowed his stance compared to the way he played in Pittsburgh. And to me, that was the thing. Um, locked in, and I think Mike agrees with this. We've talked about it before. Locked in low and wide. Um, is something he got away with in Pittsburgh because the Penguins prevented lateral chances. They were sort of, they were the spearhead of this this change in terms of how you create offense. They generated it with lateral plays at one end, and they prevented it by not allowing those plays at the other. And as as other teams caught on and they lost the personnel to prevent it, Matt being locked in low and wide. Think about your stance. If you lock in low and wide, the wider your legs are out, sort of to the side of you in a butterfly, the harder it is to move. Um, you have to disengage that lead edge before you push, and you don't have much extension left in your push edge because you're so spread out. And so you're trying to keep your feet under you. And that's a significant change that Matt's continuing to make. Uh, I didn't see it in his first game, and that's what worried me. But I think he's back to that uh, in these past couple. You know, it's never, like I said, going to look how other guys do in terms of a really narrow upright stance. Um, But I think he's using it slightly more and more effectively since he's been back from the injury. And that's part of a trend that I've seen in the last two years. And it's why I like the signing. You also, it also shows up, um, you know, in his screen numbers. Like when I look at why he's having success, his, his, the way he's managing screens, uh, staying tall, looking over, not getting locked in low and wide and having to look around bodies uh, is one of the numbers that jumps off the chart uh, successfully. And when you talk about technique, you know, I talk about that floor. And, and, and to me, when you don't have a solid technique, you give up bad goals, like leaky goals. Uh, Matt hasn't given up a low percentage goal yet this season. That's a big part of his numbers right now. And his environment, actually, like Samsonov's played behind one of the most friendly environments in the National Hockey League to date. Matt's expected save percentage is almost 20 points lower than Samsonov, and he's outperformed it you know, in the top five, like to a top five level in the league right now. And a big part of that is just not giving up bad goals. Like, it's not about all the spectacular saves. Those are bonuses. It's about not giving up the stinkers. Uh, here's a stat for you. When you give up a bad goal, a low percentage goal, your team loses 87% of the time unless the guy at the other end reciprocates. Wow. And so the fact that, you know, early sample, um, but Matt hasn't given up a single one yet. I don't want to jinx him. I'm finding some wood to knock on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, you know, like that's, you know, like, like to me, that's not a goalie that's struggling with his technique. To me, that's a guy that has a nice foundation that's putting himself in good position early set square, making his life easy, and then, you know, he has those other layers to make those other saves. Um, that's what separates you. But it's the foundation that makes you a number, and the consistency of the foundation that can make you a reliable number one goaltender. And, I, and over the past couple of years, I've seen that back in Matt's game more and more, and it's continuing there. And I think cleaning up the post play as much as not just knocking off the net, but making it a little more efficient, a little more consistent in terms of his ability to move in and out of them, the more time he has to continue to drill down on that with Curtis Sanford and hopefully listen on that uh, equipment change, uh, that'll only improve as well. 
Well, if he does turn into a pumpkin, we're not going to blame you. We're going to blame Pierre Lebrun because everyone he's written about in the past uh, 48 hours in the goaltending department has kind of not played too well. This desk is made of plastic. We need a good wooden (laughs) desk around here. So we won't blame you. It's all good. We'll blame uh, blame Pierre Lebrun for that one. Really appreciate taking the time to join us. My pleasure. I'm from Vancouver. If, if you blame me, I just turn around and blame it on the snow anyway. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, we'll chat again soon, Kevin. There All the go. best. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Kevin Woodley, Ingle Magazine. There was so much more that we wanted I know. to get to around the league. Like Sorokin's been unbelievable. And the struggles with like Vasilevsky, Shesterkin. I mean, they're calling the guy Bleep Sterkin right now. Bleep Sterkin. You're so Sturkin funny, bro. Out in, uh, in, in New York and didn't even get a chance to really talk about it because... <laughs> He's so passionate about. Okay, that whole he's thing. inspired me. I, I need to understand. Goalies I learned more. a lot. I actually oh, learned a lot about good. the whole situation and why there is, you know, the goalie community does feel very strongly about how. So it does this is look like they're pushing it off sometime, but it's not That's pushing it off. It's pushing they, off of it. It's yes, not, yeah, it's part of the process. And I understand the fact that you know. You can't necessarily like anchor those pegs in for player safety purpose. There has to be right. give for when guys run into it. So it, it's a little bit of a balance you got to figure out. But the fact that there is like all that water swishing underneath, and he shared the anecdote about the player saying, "Look, this thing's going to come off for sure because you it's floating." Yeah, down. like it's crazy. One that, thing that about that's even happening ice crews. I, we got to yeah. go. We got to go. But we can pick this up on yeah. the other side, and uh, we can get more into it and, and get our thoughts on the whole situation. Because it's kind of wild yeah. now that now that we've chatted about Kevin with it. Goalie uh, defenders. <laughs> we'll continue this chat on the other side. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. School's canceled because of the rain? I guess. <laughs> Is it a rain day? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to do the school of DGEN on the other side. I'm okay, gonna, okay, to, to okay. To finish up the show. but A delayed uh, school of DGEN. <laughs> Share the love this holiday season with McDonald's. Text the keyword holiday in your name to 105050 for your chance to win a $200 McDonald's gift card. Feeling festive? Enjoy a peppermint mocha or hot chocolate paired with a freshly baked Festive Ginger, RMHC Cookie, or McCafe Creme Brulee, Lil Donut, available at participating locations. Lil Donut. Yeah, it's not a regular donut, AB. It's a Lil Donut. It's a Lil Donut. Whoa, have you ever been to Cops Donuts downtown? No. We'll talk after. <sighs> Best mini donuts ever. The fact that there's a it's place right by where we Cops live. Donuts is hilarious. It's right me. by where we live, too. I'm, I mess up Cops Donuts on a Saturday morning. Like, it is the best. Love it. We'll okay. We'll definitely continue this conversation. But we were going to continue a conversation that we were having with Kevin Woodley because he, he just, man, that man is passionate about the goaltending and I'm the a believer. pegs in particular. Like, I learned a lot about the whole peg system yeah. with it. Like, I, honestly, the way that, you know, common people think who aren't in that situation where they've been goaltenders, you look at the what we've seen over the last little bit and, you know, Matt Murray's gotten this reputation that he keeps kicking off these posts on purpose because you know, happens to be when there's a good offer, uh, offensive opportunity or, you know, when guys have been hemmed in their own zone. It's like, hmm, it's a little questionable. But he seems he's very adamant that, like, no, that's that's not happening here. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, we learned so much from him. And, and the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm on team goalie. I, it also, the story he told about the fact that the one goalie pointed at the fact that he knew something was wrong with his net before the game and the ice guy screamed at him. You ever talked to... 
ice. Like, I'm not talking about Zamboni guys. I'm talking about real ice maintenance guys. I maintenance can't guys. Say actually around I, NHL rinks, around CHL rinks. Uh, the only one when I was when I was in Kitchener at the Odd for the uh, yeah. for the top prospects games last week, last year. They want to take a photo with us. So like we were chatting. Those are a always bit. those That's are CHL it. guys. I don't think those are directly for the audience. So ice guys are serious and they build their so That's their baby. Exactly. So right? bringing ice into question would be very touchy. Did you see the rage on the Minnesota Wild ice guy <gasps> when he went in there with yeah, the turkey Yeah. He was mad. He was pissed. Like their ice is their baby. It's a bad look for them if if it's not good. It's it's what their livelihood depends on. So bringing up ice or or, or how it relates to the net staying on is it like more of a touchy subject than I think we realize. But I mean, like that's going to happen. The fact that water, I mean, totally. I it's just like when it gets criticized, it's it's. Well, I it think a be bigger deal in between periods. Should it not? Like you shouldn't go out there at the start of the third. Yeah, it's crazy. And notice, hey, this thing's float. Like it should be. If this is a, a, an occurring issue, why is that not part of like your checklist in between periods when you're scraping the ice? Like clearly, you're going over those pegs with the zamboni. Water's getting in there. Yeah. You got to go in afterwards. And, and when you're putting the pegs in, you're putting the post back in. I mean, whether it's a shop back or a turkey baster, I mean, that should be part of the process in between periods. Or even like one of those pumps that you to, used to like bail out a boat or something. I don't know. But there has to be, I, I'm in 100% agreement that there has to be, in order to, to punish, if you want to start handing out punishments, you have to standardize the process. Yeah. That, that's point blank. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we're both on board with that. All right. One more lap around the track. Let's get back into the game. Leafs and Sharks tonight. We'll bring it to you from a gambling perspective. The School of Degeneracy is next here on Leafs Lunch. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. Just before we get to Al's Brothers School of Degeneracy, we want to make sure that we send our best wishes to Penguins defenseman Chris Letang, yeah. who is going to be out indefinitely. He suffered a stroke. Um, it's not the first time. Apparently, this happened back in 2014. He missed a lot of time, yeah. we remember. And apparently, this one isn't as bad as that one, which is encouraging. Yeah, no lasting effects uh, to this point, according to uh, Ron Hextall and the uh, the memo that was sent out by, by Chris Letang. Yeah, and the Penguins, not so. career-threatening, so good sign, and uh, wish him well in, in his recovery. Absolutely. And with that, let's get into the School of Degeneracy. <laughs> Time now for Al's Brothers School of Degeneracy. Back to school. Back to school. Jackpot. About a month ago, the Maple Leafs were in San Jose. They lost in overtime. So they'll look to avenge that defeat here. The team is rolling right now. On that day, Mitch Marner scored a point to kick off this point. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize. I think he ties the franchise record tonight with a goal. It's paying 156 for a Marner goal tonight. Wouldn't that be fitting? Sandwich in between two games to get to San Jose Sharks. Totally. I think the Leafs, the the, the Sharks are coming off of a back-to-back, so they might be a little sluggish out of the gate. I like the Leafs to uh, win the first period puck line. Basically means they'll win the first period. It's set at half a goal at plus 104. And uh, John Tavares go over two and a half shots tonight, paying minus 180. He's gone over that number in five straight, eight of his last nine. And I think if Mitch Marner's looking to get an apple to extend that point streak, it's Johnny T. He's going to be shooting the puck there to try and get that for him. So I like that play as well. I like it. I like it, AB. And uh, like, do you have a score prediction? Do you have a... I think that the Maple Leafs keep it rolling. Yeah, keep me it too. rolling. Samsonov have a pretty good. Uh, we'll have a pretty good 
Uh, it's not his debut, but return to the crease. Feels I suppose. that way almost. Maybe five, uh, five, five, one. Okay. Feeling five one. Okay, Feeling I like it. Lock it in. Hockey game. Marner gets it going. Another five on five goal from Austin Matthews, perhaps. And the good vibes continue to roll. They continue we'll to continue buzz. continue to roll and buzz uh, tomorrow as well. That does it for our show today. If you missed any of it, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mike DiStefano for Julia to share. If you listen to Leafs Lunch, World Cup coverage continues next here on TSN 1050.